please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from John's Gospel, chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he is going to cut off. And he prunes every branch that does bear fruit, so that it will bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I am going to remain in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Likewise, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him is the one who bears much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you continue to bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. This is the gospel of our Lord. We pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Your fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is the true and living vine. Everyone knows that lying is wrong. While some in the world may seek to debate that question, I can state it categorically because the Bible tells us that God has written his law on the heart of each and every single individual, including the Eighth Commandment, which forbids lying. We're all familiar with lying in our lives and how destructive lying can be, how it can ruin marriages and families and friendships, how it can destroy reputations and careers and even entire lives. Most importantly, how lying interrupts and destroys our relationship with God because God hates the lying tongue. Yet I, was, I would argue that as destructive as the lies we tell to one another are to our relationships with them, just as, if not more destructive, are the lies that we tell to ourselves based on these words from Jesus in John chapter 15. We all lie to ourselves, don't we? Some of the lies that we tell ourselves are so common and universal that I ran across a website that even tried to catalog some of the, the most common lies that people tell themselves. One is, if I just had blank, I'd be happy. You ever thought that in your life? What was, what was your blank? If you just had the toy as a child, if you just had the degree as a college student, if you just had the, the spouse, the home, the, the car, the promotion, the ideal retirement... If, you, if you've managed to fill in that blank, do you find yourself happy and content right now? Or here's another one. If I only had more time, I would do blank. Let's be honest. If, if that blank is, is dieting or taking up a hobby or getting our to-do list at home done or spending more time with our our spouse and children, or extended family, or even just taking more time out of our day to read our Bible, the problem is not time. The problem is our desire. We get the things done we want to do, 
If we don't, it's because we don't really want to do them. I could go on. There, there were at least nine different lies we tell ourselves on that website. But you're not here for some psychoanalysis of the lies that everyone in the world tells themselves. You're, you're here to hear about the lies that are uniquely Christian in character. And the first lie that Christians can tell themselves is, I don't need to bear fruit as a Christian. I don't need to live any different than the unbelieving world out there as a believer. I can call myself a Christian while at the same time living as a non-Christian. I don't have to let my light shine. I don't have to be, as Jesus says, salt that seasons the earth. I can tell myself that I'm going to heaven even when I am intentionally and willfully living contrary to the will of God. That's how that lie goes. But that's not what the Bible says. In Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord says that He planted a garden and that garden was Israel and He was looking for that, that, that garden, that vineyard, to produce fruit in it. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus describes God as as someone who owns a vineyard with a fig tree in it. And for three years, the, the, the vineyard owner walked past that fig tree just waiting for it to produce fruit. Here in John 15, Jesus says, My disciples, they produce fruit. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus doesn't use images or pictures anymore. He just comes right out and says that one of the distinguishing characteristics between the sheep who are going to heaven and the goats that are going to hell is that the sheep have a multitude of good works, they have good fruit, and the goats have none. The Apostle Paul puts it even more bluntly in 2 Corinthians. He says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he did while in the body, whether good or bad. It's a damned lie for us to tell ourselves, convince ourselves, that we don't need to bear fruit as Christians. It's damned because that's where that lie leads to damnation. Again, going back to the scripture references I just mentioned. In Isaiah 5, what did the Lord say he was going to do with that unfruitful vineyard that he found in Israel? He's going to destroy it. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus gave his verdict over what should happen to that unfruitful fig tree. He said, dig it up. Why should it use up the soil anymore? Right here, John 15. Jesus said that his father will cut off those unfruitful branches, gather them up, and throw them into the fire. Which means, as Jesus says in Matthew 25, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. Destruction and judgment and the eternal fire of hell are the only things in store for Christians who have convinced themselves that they don't need to bear fruit in their lives. It shouldn't be shocking, though, should it? And just think of our own yards, our own gardens, our own flower beds. What do you do with trees or bushes or flowers that don't produce fruit, that don't do what they're supposed to do? You cut them off. You rip them out. You dig them up. Because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. In fact, if you're talking about a branch like Jesus is, a branch that, that doesn't receive nourishment from the vine, from the trunk, and, and, and send it on so that it produces fruit, is not really a branch anymore, is it? It's dead. 
In just the same way, a Christian who is not fruitful in their lives, in obeying God's will, in showing acts of love to, one, to others, is, is dead. It's a dead Christian. And there is no such thing as a dead Christian. A dead Christian is an unbeliever. There's a, there's a subset to this lie, too. It's, it's the lie we tell ourselves that we've produced enough fruit in our lives, that we don't have to go on producing more. You know how this manifests itself in the lives of Christians, right? It's especially true in the case of confirmants, so our two confirmants here, listen up, that, that I've learned it. I've got eight years of Sunday school behind me. I've gone through confirmation class. I've gone through examination of confirmation. I know everything I need to know to be a Christian, and I can just kind of let the, the means of grace, the word and sacrament, fade into the rearview mirror as I move on with life. It can happen with, with parents. Uh, there are parents who, who say, all right, we're going to commit to going to church regularly, to going to Bible class as long as our children are living with us at home, but once they're out of the home, once we don't have to set that example for them anymore, then, then we're going to go do what we want to do. Then we're going to pursue our own interests. It can happen when church members decide that They've done enough. They've done their share. They've taken their turn. Now it's time for somebody else to, to pick up the burden and to do the work. That's not what Jesus is describing here at all. That's not what God the Father's vineyard looks like that is vibrant and growing. Every single plant, no matter whether it's, it's young or old, no matter whether it's a, a new Christian or an old Jesus is picturing a vibrant garden, a vibrant vineyard where every plant is producing fruit of some sort. Maybe not all the same fruit. And maybe that fruit changes as we grow older and, and move through life, and that's fine. But, but every tree, every Christian produces fruit. Just think about your own yard again. Imagine if you had an apple tree, and it's been very productive for over a decade. And then all of a sudden, one year, it, it just doesn't produce anything. Do you... Do you keep that tree around? Do you, do you show it to your neighbors and say, this, this here is a fine tree? And your neighbors are looking at it and say, it doesn't look all that healthy. You would cut that down. You cut those trees down no matter how long they've been produ producing, productive, uh, once they stop producing. It's a damned lie. A lie that leads to damnation to tell ourselves that as Christians we don't need to produce fruit. And there's the other end of the spectrum, the other, the second lie we'll contemplate this morning, that it's my fruit which makes me a Christian. And that end of the spectrum gives fruit too much credit. That end of the spectrum credits to our good works, the things that we do and say, with things that the Bible says can only be received by us through faith, such as the forgiveness of sins, peace with God, new life now, and the assurance of salvation. You can't ever work hard enough in your life or do enough good works to receive the forgiveness of sins, to pay for all the evil things that you have done. You really can never do enough for, for others, for Christ and His church, to alleviate that fear of death that lives in all of our hearts. You can't do enough for your spouse. You can't sacrifice enough for your family. You can't do enough for those in need to 
bring your heart at peace with God. No matter how much good we do, that, that doesn't make us Christians. That doesn't bring us the gifts that are ours only through faith in Jesus Christ. Because works do not make Christians. Fruit don't make Christians. Fruit marks Christians. That's, that's Jesus' point when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him is the one who bears much fruit because without me you can do nothing. And then at the very end of our text he says, it, it brings glory to my Father when you do this, when you bear much fruit and prove yourselves to be my disciples. And the idea of proving there is you demonstrate you are, your, uh, you are God's disciples by producing fruit. You don't make yourselves disciples by doing good works. I don't know a whole lot about trees. I didn't grow up on a farm. I'm not very good at gardening. But I do know from Scripture, from what Jesus says, that, that bad trees can only produce bad fruit. And good, only good trees can produce good fruit. It starts with the tree, right? It starts with the tree. If you have a good tree, you'll have good fruit. If you have a bad tree, you will have bad fruit. So if the tree isn't good, it can't produce good fruit. Which practically means that you may know plenty of people in your lives who are good and decent people, who are good parents and good spouses and good neighbors and good citizens, but that does not make them Christian. That does not make them right with God. And that's not just my opinion. That's what Scripture says. Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And yet hasn't that lie just swept like wildfire through our culture, especially in recent years? This idea that if you just do the right things, you, are, you can make yourself a good person. You drive the right car. You have the right diet. You support all the right causes. Very recently... If you keep your distance, if you wear your mask, if you get your vaccine, you're good. Morally good. Isn't that the implication out there? The, the virtue signaling that goes on that doing those things makes you morally good. And whenever morality is brought up, it's never just societal morality. It's always... Uh, implied morality, uh, 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 an implied good standing before God. And it's a lie. Uh, now, don't take those words out of context, please. I'm not saying that, that supporting the right causes or, or driving fuel-efficient cars or keeping your distance or wearing your mask or getting your vaccine is a bad thing. It's not. In fact, they can be very good things, but they do not make you Christian they do not make you right with God. That's not at all what Jesus is saying here. Maybe a little context will help. Jesus spoke these words in the upper room to his disciples. Did you notice how not once throughout this whole text did Jesus say, you guys have to work to become my disciples. You guys have to work to become branches connected to the vine. He never once says that. In fact, this is what he says. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Don't try to sprout into me. Remain in me, and I am going to remain in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. 
Likewise, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus isn't encouraging them to become his disciples, to do good works, to bear fruit, to become his disciples, but rather because they already are his disciples. That the Father, the gardener, through Jesus, has already done everything necessary to make them his disciples, and he did it through his word. That's why, as Christians, we don't focus on the good works we're doing. Martin Luther talked about how, how faith is so strong and powerful that, that Christians don't even think beforehand about doing good works. It's so living and active that they're just doing them without even thinking about it. That's why in Matthew 25, when Jesus says to the sheep, look at all these things you've done for me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. And they're like, what? When did we do that? We don't. Christians don't think about the good works they're doing. Why? Because they're focused on the vine. They're focused on the source of the strength and the energy to do those good works. And so this is what we focus on. We focus on the fact that Jesus is that root of Jesse that sprouted up in this world through the womb of the Virgin Mary. And he was unlike any other plant in this world. He actually produced good fruit, fruit good enough to please his Father in heaven. He produced an abundance of of peace and love and joy and hope and forgiveness and love for God and love for others. That wasn't enough. Because the justice of the gardener stood firm that any branch that is dead and unfruitful had to be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And that was us. But the gardener, instead of taking us, took his only son crushed him in the, the wine press there in the Garden of Gethsemane and then, and then hung him up on that tree to wither and die. He suffered that in our place. He was fruitful, but we were unfruitful. So he was burned in the fire of hell so that we never would. His good fruit now is credited to us. That's the message that can give you what your good works can never give. You know how when you actually think about how fruitful your life has been, that doesn't lead to peace or comfort. It rather leads you to ask, I've, I've tried my hardest, but is it really enough? Is it really enough to make me right with God? This is the only message that can calm that uncertainty. It is finished tells you that your sins are forgiven even though your list of sins is so much greater than the list of good works that you can come up with. Because we have been justified by faith. We now have peace with God. Whether the, the devil tells you you are still at war with him or not, you have peace with God through Jesus Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus means that heaven is yours. Even if you look back at your life and all you see is rotten fruit, heaven is yours for Jesus' sake. That, not your works. The gospel, not the law, is what gives you peace with God. It is what you, gives you a clear conscience. It was what is, gives you the assurance of eternal life. That's how you remain connected to Christ when he's constantly feeding you with that message, and through that message, through that good news, he produces fruit in your lives. And so if that's true, if it is all about Christ and what he has done for us, and not as much what 
we do for him, the question must be then, how do we remain connected? How do we become connected to Christ? Paul says that we weren't born that way. He says by nature we were all objects of God's wrath. In fact, he says that we were like a, a wild branch, a wild tree that didn't belong to Christ. But, he says, God in his grace has grafted us in. And how does he do that? In the water of baptism. God plants us. God grafts us into Christ. In the confession and absolution that we just spoke and heard, God, God prunes us. God trims away those dead parts of our lives that, that, that make us unproductive. Through the, the bread and the wine and the body and blood of Christ that we will receive, He will feed you. That's His promise. He will feed you so that you will be even more fruitful in your life. Remain in Christ by remaining in these means of grace and you will be fruitful. All, life, all lies are destructive in our lives. Amateur psychology websites like the one I, I mentioned before can warn you about the, the lies you tell yourselves that are self-destructive, but, but I'm here to warn you about the two lies that could be eternally destructive for your soul. It's a lie that we don't have to bear fruit as Christians. It's also a lie that our fruit is what makes us Christians. Christians will bear fruit. You, your presence here is bearing fruit. There's no doubt about that. But bearing fruit is not as much about us as it is about the vine. It's Christ who makes Christians. It's Christ who, who feeds us his branches. It's Christ who brings us the forgiveness of sins and peace with God and the assurance of eternal life. Remain close to Christ in these means of grace. And you will produce more fruit than you could ever have imagined. That's not a command. That's a promise. And that's no lie. Amen.